It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. It is Wednesday, October 18th, 2023, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody is ready for a freakishly loaded episode of the Aaron Torres Pod. There is a lot to discuss today, and here's what you need to know about today's show. We're going to open some college football just some little juicy gossip over the last couple of days. Bruce Feldman is reporting that Texas A&M could potentially raise the money to get rid of Jimbo Fisher if things fall out. Should we believe that report? Could Jimbo Fisher actually be bought out of that massive contract? Also, Urban Meyer says he will never coach again. Zero interest. Should we believe him? And we'll also hit on that Brock Bowers injury. Just a crushing piece of news for the Georgia Bulldogs. From there, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we will start the weekend preview. I want to take a deep dive into Penn State, Ohio State. It is the game of the weekend. I am fascinated by it. And we're going to preview that game from all angles. Finally, we'll wrap with just a little bit of college hoops. AP poll is out and I want to do some reaction. Overrated, underrated. Read some of your comments that I've gotten over the last couple days. So we have ourselves a jam-packed show. Could not be more fired up to get going today. Speaking of could not be more fired up, how about this? Could not be more fired up for our new partner, DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Listen, I've told you, but legal sports betting has come to the state of Kentucky, and DraftKings Sportsbook has an incredible offer for listeners of the Aaron Torres pod who are first-time customers of DraftKings. This is what you got to know. This is how you take advantage. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Bet $5 on any game, pro, college, basketball, football, hockey, whatever you want to bet on, and get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you use the promo code TORRES. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. If you're a first-time user, bet $5 on any game, Get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you use the promo code Torres. Thank you to DraftKings. Could not be more fired up to be working with them. With that said, there is no more time to waste. So let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, let me say this, okay? So one of the great debates in all of sports, by the way, the topic of the day is we got like three or four pieces of news and notes to hit on. 
But to get into the first topic, let me start by saying this. Every year, there's always a big debate. What is the best sports month? Is it October with college football and the NFL and Major League Baseball playoffs? Is it March with March Madness leading into opening day of Major League Baseball? Well, that is a debate for another day. But what I will tell you is I have noticed something very interesting about how the college football calendar works September, October, November, December. That's this, is that September, it is the time of optimism, the time of excitement. Everybody loves their team. Everybody loves their coach. Everybody is going undefeated and winning the national championship. But why we love college football, my voice just cracked there. I'm so fired up. Why we love college football is because of the chaos that it creates, the rumors, the innuendo, the message board stuff. And it's really October, this time of year, about mid-October to mid-December, that the craziness of college football really shows itself, right? We've got coaching hirings and firings. We've got transfer portal stuff. we got rumors. we got innuendo. And then, of course, on the field, some teams that are actually good are playing for a national championship. And so I bring it up because we're starting to get towards that time of year where it's no longer just about who's winning and losing, but what's going on behind the scenes who's struggling, who could be in trouble, all that good stuff. And so I bring it up because on Monday's show, we talked about Texas A&M, we talked about Jimbo Fisher, and you don't need me to repeat everything that we said. Texas A&M is now four and three. They've lost two in a row. They're going into their bye, and it is just completely trending in the wrong direction, right? They're five, they went five and seven last year. And at this point, you can't really sit here and say it was a blip on the radar. Now that they're sitting at four and three, they still have not won a road game since the 2021 season. They And Jimbo Fisher has, how about this? He's 9-10 and 10 since the start of last year, and he himself has not beaten a ranked opponent as head coach of, of Texas A&M on the road since he took over. So that's a convoluted stat. Let me say it again. Jimbo Fisher, since he took over, has not beaten a ranked opponent on the road. Oh, by the way, 9-10 and 10 since the start of last year. And so listen. There are reasons that they are struggling. Connor Wigman is hurt. I get all that. But it is clear this program is trending in the wrong direction. And I think the big question has become over the last two or three weeks, is it actually possible that he gets let go given that massive contract? And I think if you talk to most people, the answer is, you know, they're just going to have to eat it because the bottom line is Jimbo Fisher signed that extension two years ago that paid him $90 million guaranteed. Um, and that if you fired him after this year, his buyout is $77 million, $77 million fully guaranteed would be owed every penny. So it seems like an impossible contract to get out. And I think it's kind of been like an, an ancillary conversation in college football. Could you actually get rid of Jimbo Fisher? Well, I bring it up because on Tuesday, one of the most well-respected reporters in all of college football, Bruce Feldman of the athletic put out a report. And the headline was pretty clear. Bottom line, if Texas A&M needs to get out of that contract, Bruce Feldman believes that they could raise the money. I want to read you the, the, the quotes from the report so that there's no confusion, no innuendo, no Torres said this or Torres implied that. No, 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 no. I want to read you exactly what Bruce Feldman wrote on Tuesday. Here is what he wrote. He writes a little bit about everything up till this point, but then he says, they are paying him gobs of money with the expectation that this program will compete for national championships, and he just lost his eighth straight road game. 
The Aggies have lost two in a row and have dropped nine of their last 12 games against Power 5 opponents. They didn't even make a bowl game last year despite a roster loaded with five-star talent and that was regarded by the online recruiting services as the highest-ranked recruiting class of all time. He's had one good season in College Station, 9-1 and one in the pandemic season. Since then, the Aggies have not finished a, ranked se a season ranked in the AP poll. This is where it gets interesting. His hire of this offseason of Bobby Petrino has been underwhelming. The Aggies are number 10 in the SEC in offense and dead last in red zone touchdown percentage. As one source told me earlier this season, it's year six. What is Fisher going to have to do now that'll convince anyone at this point that he can lead them to a national title? What's another eight and four going to prove? Finally, here is what the money quote is. Texas A&M, I'm told will find the money to get rid of him if he can't get this thing going. And yes, it absolutely does matter to folks down there that Texas has a chance to be a college football playoff team this year and that Steve Sarkeesian has been on the job for half as long as Jimbo Fisher. So there you have it. From a credible, highly sourced college football reporter, Bruce Feldman, worked with him a little bit at Fox, know him very loosely but he's great at what he does. And he says, quote, Texas A&M, I'm told, will find the money to get rid of him if he can't get this thing going. So should we believe the report? Should we believe Bruce Feldman? Super highly plugged in guy. Let me say this. Bruce is super plugged in. I trust him. I trust his sources. I will also say that I don't totally believe that unless things completely fall apart, and I'm talking about basically not winning another game the rest of the year, I think they play Arkansas Pine Bluff or something late in the year. But if they don't win another SEC game the rest of the year, then maybe. But I think if he can weather the storm, I do think that he will be back at least for one more year. But let's get into it. Let's break it down. First of all, a couple of things. One, Bruce is obviously 100% accurate on just the kind of state of things and the psyche of things at Texas A&M. It is not good. People are not happy, and it's a lot of what I said, a lot of what Bruce said. Bottom line is Jimbo Fisher is not winning the games that he needs to win that a $9 million a year head coach should win. As I said, eight straight road losses dating back to the 2021 season. Uh, four and three this year in a year where last year it was injuries, youth, whatever. This year you're four and three overall, and I think the scary thing if you're A&M, Based on what you've seen, what reason is there to believe that some incredible turnaround is coming around? You're sitting at four and three. You still have road games at LSU and at Ole Miss. And so you do have some winnable games, South Carolina at home, Mississippi State at home. Um, but at the same time, even if you win those two and you win the FCS game late in the year, if you lose at Ole Miss and you lose at LSU and you're going to be an underdog in both, is seven and five and zero oh and four away from uh, in true road games? Is that the kind of momentum you're looking for? And so I get where I get that perspective. I get that that's not good enough. I also think the point that Bruce brought up is something that I have heard a lot behind the scenes. I have heard that the and I don't think it's like you know super shocking, but the fact that Texas is coming next year, the fact that Oklahoma is coming next year, the fact that both of them are winning at a super high level. Oh, that is not rubbing Aggie fans the right way, and justifiably so. Because the thing is about, first of all, I think everybody knows this, but if you don't know the Texas A&M-Texas rivalry, what I can tell you, it is one of those 
bad, 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 you know, sound like Taylor Swift here, bad, bad, bad blood rivalries. You know, there's some rivalries where, hey, when we're not playing our rival, we root for them every game they play when they're not playing us. That ain't Texas A&M. That ain't Texas. They, they want the other team to perish and wallow and suffer all the time. And what's been wild is I feel like the rivalry has gotten even more tense as they've been separated with Texas A&M in the SEC and Texas in the Big 12. And that's the crazy part, right? Because that was the thing that Texas A&M could always kind of hang their hat on, even in a down year, even when things weren't going well under Kevin Sumlin, even when things weren't going well in previous years under Jimbo Fisher. Could sit there and say, well, Texas stinks, and we have that recruiting advantage in, in recruiting. We have that advantage in recruiting, probably the right way to say it, because we're in the SEC. And so we can go to every kid in this state, in this region, in this area and say, you want to play big boy college football? You come here. You want to go play, you know, uh, uh, you know, flag football. You want to go play basketball on turf? You go over to the Big 12. You want to play big boy football? Get ready for the NFL. You come to the SEC. Well, now Texas can sell the exact same thing in recruiting. And on top of it, they're winning at a high level. So you talk about a lot of things going in the wrong direction. And I know for a fact. There's concern in Aggieland about like, wait a second now, if we're not winning with this roster at this moment in time, we can't let Texas come into this league with some momentum. So that's the argument for, you know, could Jimbo somehow not be here? If it bottoms out, Texas is is, is coming. Like there, there's a lot of variables there. At the same time, I'll be blunt. I, I, I still just, I don't know that I see it at this exact moment even if they finish seven and five, even if they lose to Ole Miss, even if they lose to LSU. And we can agree or disagree. We could talk about the quality of the program. They have not been good in these big games. I talked about that on Monday's show. But at the same time, I think there are a couple factors that you have to consider here when you just kind of say, oh, Texas A&M will figure out the money. Well, one, first of all, it's a ton of money, okay? Because what we always have to factor, and I know any fan listening to this understands, is that it's not just $77 million to buy out Jimbo Fish. One, I'm sure there's other guys on that staff that are under multi-year contracts. Uh, not everybody, but I'm sure there's a few guys, maybe Bobby Petrino. I looked it up. I don't think there's any clarity on if it's a one-year, two-year deal for him. But you got to buy out other guys. And then the big thing is, we all know, the next head coach, you're going to have to pay $10 million a year. Nobody's coming to the SEC for $4 million a year in this era, when one, you were paying the last guy $9 million, and two, you just paid $77 million to get rid of him. So you're talking about like a $150 million kind of transaction to fire Jimbo Fisher and then bring in the next guy. It's easy to, and I'm not disrespecting Bruce here, but it's easy for a source, a contact on the phone to say, yeah, we'll get the money, we'll figure it out. Well, are you going to then double that money to get the next head coach? Easier said than done. I also think like, listen, I am not making excuses for Jimbo Fisher, okay? But I do think there are some other variables that AM is going to consider at the end of this season. Connor Wigman's not healthy. And I, I, I know for a fact, I've talked to people down in College Station. There's a, 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 a faction of people that believes that if Connor Wigman was healthy right now, their starting quarterback to start the year, they would have beaten Bama. They would have beaten Tennessee. Because remember, those were two games. AM was ahead of at uh, of both of them at halftime. And we talked about both of them. We talked about the fact that Jimbo was very unaggressive before the half, relying a lot on his defense. And what has become abundantly clear is that he trusts that defense a lot more than that offense. 
So you lose by six to Alabama at home. You lose by a touchdown at Tennessee. And I think there's a belief like, you know, if we have our starting quarterback, we're good to go. We win those games. Oh, by the way, from what I've been told, Connor Wigman is a lightning rod in that locker room in a positive way. Lightning rod can sometimes mean a bad thing. And that guys believe in him. He's the Pied Piper guys galvanize around him. And so my understanding is like, again, I think there is a sizable contingent of people that believe that if Connor Wigman was healthy, that AM would be sitting at five and one right now, six and one right now going into the bye. Is it fair? Is it accurate? We'll never know. I'm just telling you what some people think. And lastly, I think that's the part that not enough people are talking about is the players, right? Because I even go back to the preseason. I remember talking about this in July and August. People were like, Torres, what is a and like, like, what does AM want out of this season? What do they have to do? And what I kept saying was that 2022 recruiting class that many believe was the greatest recruiting class in the history of college football. They are sophomores now. They will be draft eligible juniors next season in 2024. And so if you, so, so basically in the preseason, I kept saying people say, well, what, what, what do they expect from him? I said, the bottom line is pretty straightforward. I believe that Texas A&M, the goal is build some momentum from last year, win this year, and then really put yourself in position to be competing at the highest level in 2024 when all those guys are draft eligible juniors. It's clearly not trending that way. But at the same time, let me also say this, and I think it's an important note, is that if you fire Jimbo Fisher, just remember, this ain't 1993. This ain't 2003. This isn't even 2013. You fire Jimbo Fisher. There will be probably, you you fire him today, by tomorrow morning, my guess is there's a dozen guys that are draft, you know, that are NFL caliber players that are in the portal by tomorrow. By the way, guess what? A lot of those guys on this bye week are at home right now. They're already being told by mom, by dad, by high school coach, by agent, by whoever. Like, you got to get out of there. This thing ain't working out. So can you imagine if Jimbo Fisher is actually fired? Can you imagine the talent? Um flood that would go into the portal, let alone the 2024 high school class, which is top five in the country. I can't even imagine how much talent would be in that portal. And so again, my gut tells me Jimbo, Texas A&M, they're going to keep Jimbo Fisher, not even because of the money. They don't want to lose all those players. You lose all those guys. Then it's like, like you don't want to bring in somebody. And by the way, who's going to take the job when they have to start over from scratch? Really, and I want to wrap because I'm going long and I still want to get to some Urban Meyer comments and stuff like that. The only real scenario I could see where Jimbo Fisher gets fired, one, it has to be a complete bottom out. I think five and seven, losing every SEC game left on the schedule, which would include South Carolina at home and Mississippi State at home. That would be step one. And step two, the only way you fire him, I think you have to have the next guy lined up and ready to go essentially before you even fire. This has been done before. I hate to use this example, Aggies fans, but the the one that comes to mind, remember when Tom Herman was fired at Texas and it was like a month after the season. Everyone's like, where did that come from? And then boom, like within two hours, Texas announced that Steve Sarkeesian was his next head coach. And so that's the only scenario I could see because you can't go, you can't do a true traditional coaching search and leave things open and let all those players, you know, leave all those players open to be, you know, poached and recruited and whatever. People are still trying to convince them to go in the portal. People are still trying to convince them to leave. If they don't have a coach, I think there's a very good chance a lot of them actually do. All right, I do want to switch gears 
uh, because there was another piece of juicy little gossip that came out of major college football uh, earlier this week since we last recorded Monday's show. It came Monday afternoon at the beautiful Knoxville Touchdown Club, okay? How about this as a guest speaker at the Knoxville Touchdown Club in Knoxville, Tennessee? Urban Meyer, former Florida head coach, former Ohio State head coach, was the speaker of honor at the Knoxville Touchdown Club earlier this week. It was funny. I saw some of Urban Meyer's comments, and he basically, his wife, Shelly, said to him, don't eat anything, don't drink anything, because those people do not like you down there, of course, Urban Meyer, the former Florida Florida head coach, and keep in mind, of course, that they had a great rivalry uh, with the Tennessee Vols during his time at Florida. I bring it up, and people are probably sitting there saying, Torres, why are you talking about a random Urban Meyer public appearance? Well, it's because, you know, we know how these quarterback club things work. You come, you speak, you get paid, you have, you know, you take pictures, whatever. And at this event, Urban Meyer was asked a lot of different things. He was asked about his memories of Florida, Tennessee. He talked a lot about Phil Fulmer, John Chavis, the former defensive coordinator. But he was also asked the question that everybody wants to know. He was asked, do you ever see yourself coaching college football again? And Urban Meyer, to his credit, he gave a pretty definitive answer. Here is what Urban Meyer said at the Knoxville uh, quarterback club about his future as a college football head coach. He said, nope, I'm good. I never took a day off. People, when I say that, will like scratch their eyes, scratch their head. I'm like, I never took a day. I had some health stuff go on. I became addicted to sleeping pills. I was just a maniac worker. And now also Shelly's like, hey, let's go here. Let's do this. I have four grandkids. Let's do that. The first year or so I wake up and I'm like, I want to coach a team, but no, no desire. So no, no desire. So covered a lot of ground there, talked about addicting, being addicted to sleeping pills, but he basically said, look, I'm a grandfather now, I'm over it, I enjoy spending time with my family, zero interest in it, whatever. He later added, I thought this was pretty interesting, he said, it has never been harder, and he's saying to be a college football coach, never been harder, I'm telling you right now. Every coach, every player has an agent, think about that. Remember those days? Maybe a coordinator every once in a while had an agent. There's nothing wrong with agents, they're great. But when I am the head coach having to deal with a high school player that says, meet my agent first, I'm going to want to meet with your family because you are talking about recruiting and other stuff. And so essentially, Urban Meyer's talking about why he would never get back into coaching. Basically, it used to be, you know, your coaches, you could have a relationship with. It's not about it. It's about business, but they're not coming in and saying, I want to restructure my contract, blah, 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 this and that. Saying all my players have all my all my coaches have agents. All my players have agents. And he said that the sport has changed and it used to be about, you know, building relationships, trust, friendship, whatever. And now it's about, you got to deal with the agent, cold, hard cash. And so that's why Urban Meyer says he's never going to coach again. Let me say two things. One, I think Urban Meyer, everything he said about the state of current college football is accurate. Let me also say, I don't believe for a second that Urban Meyer's career is done, even as the sport of college football continues to evolve. Now, first of all, Urban Meyer's credit, he is right. The sport even just since he left in 2018, completely different sport. And he knows, he talks to all these guys every single day. It's his life. The sport is different. Like I just said, recruiting used to be about friends and family and relationships and academics and getting a degree. And that's all part of it. Don't get me wrong. But now it's about, you know, frankly, what can you do for me? 
the Johnny Manziel cold, hard cash, baby. Right. And most of these elite players do have agents and it does start with NIL. I'm not saying NIL is the only factor that goes into things, but it's a big, big, big factor. It is a big, big, big factor in all of these decisions. And so Urban Meyer is saying like the sport has changed. It's moved on without me and I'm ready to move on. And so I get what he's saying, but I do think there's a couple of things to factor in. One, all these coaches two, three, four years ago, were all complaining about the same things. Remember Nick Saban going after Jimbo Fisher at that May event at the the Tuscaloosa, whatever. It was over exactly what Urban Meyer is talking about. The sport is changing. What are we doing? Where are we going? We got AM paying everybody. Remember, that was the day that he included Deion Sanders and, and Travis Hunter. Oh, you know, Jackson State, I read in the paper, they're paying the guy a million dollars. Now, obviously, that part wasn't true, but I bring it up because I bring it up just because like the bottom line is when I when, when I look at Urban Meyer's comments, I get what he's saying, but all of these coaches have said the same thing. And the thing that I have learned about covering college sports for a decade plus like I have, all these coaches love to complain, 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 complain. And then when push comes to shove, they get over it and they figure it out, right? I mean, think about all the things that coaches have complained about through the years. I mean, everything. NCAA rules, recruiting. Um, you know, I, I had a coach once tell me, I crack up when I think about this. He said, look, I remember when they when the NCAA started allowing unlimited text messaging. And everybody said that was the downfall of college sports as we knew it. And then you figure it out. And then you work through it. And then you do whatever. And so Urban Meyer saying, you know, it's agents and it's different. It's like, yeah, I think it would be an adjustment for him. I also think because he's Urban freaking Meyer, I think he'd figure it out because he's a competitor and because he's great at what he does. Like we we could argue, we could agree, we could disagree about stuff that's happened off the field, the Florida years, the Ohio State years. You can't deny he's a great coach. So I think he'd get over it. And it brings me to the point that that I want to make here to kind of wrap because I'm going long, but it's Wednesday and I like to talk. What can I say? Okay. Urban Meyer's coaching yet. And I truly believe in my heart of hearts that he's coaching again. And I know it's a new sport. But I think he's going to adjust. I think he's going to figure it out. And I think he's going to come back at some point. He's going to be pretty good at it. Bottom line remains, listen, Urban Meyer, again, like him, don't like him. He's great at what he does. Okay. And I don't believe that the final two pages of his coaching epitaph, if you will, are going to be leaving Ohio State under the circumstances that he did and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, think about how bad, like the Jacksonville Jaguars now is three years removed. That was really Really, 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 really bad. Really bad. The 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 bar incident, the this, the that. He allegedly kicked a player. Who knows if it's true or not? You think that's how Urban Meyer wants to be remembered as a coach? Instead of the two national championships at Florida, the national championship at Ohio State. So I think he's coaching again. He's only 59 years old. I think that's the other thing. Like all these guys say, oh, I'll never do it again. And it's like, you know, Nick Saban's 72. What are you going to do for the next 13 years? You're going to play with your grandkids and call, you know, go to one college football game 12 weekends a year? I'm sorry, I don't buy it. This guy's a competitor. This guy wants to be in the fire. And I think at the end of the day, at some point, some job is going to interest him. Now, I think the question becomes, and this is the more interesting part, what are realistic jobs? Who's going to hire him? And what jobs are you going to take? Now, I know a few weeks ago, we talked a little bit about the Michigan State stuff. My buddy Bernie Frado was the one that broke the story. If Bernie says he was in East Lansing, I believe it. I don't know if it was there as a consultation. I don't know if he actually interviewed. I don't know if he had a conversation, talking to the AD, whatever. But the bottom line remains, 
I think the important kind of thought process is, is, is exactly what I just said is like, to me, when I think about urban Meyer, it really is kind of a two pronged thing. He's not coming back for any job. He's not coming back to coach whatever Mississippi state or Boston college. Like it's going to be an a plus premium, you know, elite, elite, elite job. If he comes back and I believe when he'll come back. But then the question becomes, given his background, given how Florida ended, how Ohio State ended, and certainly how the Jacksonville Jaguars ended, again, all sorts of allegations, you know, verbal abuse, physical abuse, whatever. I don't know how many schools are really going to take a chance on him. Now, we just talked about AM. Maybe AM is one of them. Maybe if somehow Texas falls apart under Sark. But I don't think there's that many places that are kind of willing to bite the bullet. Now, you want to win at the highest level, he's going to be the best option available. But at the same time, you know, I, I just don't know how many school, like like Notre Dame, perfect example. They want to win, not bad enough to hire Urban Meyer. Um, you know, you you get the, the gist of what I'm trying to say. Florida, I don't think he's ever going back there. And then most of these other jobs are in pretty good hands. Like we can argue about this school, that school, whatever. For the most part, those premium jobs are in good hands. Think about the, the good jobs. Florida State's in great hands. Um you know, Texas is in great hands. Oklahoma's in great hands. Alabama's in great hands. LSU's in great hands. Uh, whatever. I think tech, I think I just said Texas. Um, you know, USC is in great hands. Oregon's great. So, like, the kinds of jobs that he wants, it wouldn't appear as though they're going to open anytime soon. But do I believe he's done coaching? I just don't. And, like, I know he's saying what he's saying, and I get it and whatever. But in my heart of hearts, I believe that guy is probably coaching again at some point. I don't know when. I don't believe that he is done forever. All right, how about that? That was a long first segment, but I thought it was a pretty good one. So we're going to do. Take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to preview the big game this weekend. We've started our Wednesday preview series. And today I want to focus on one. It is Ohio State, Penn State. Top 10 matchup in Columbus. Quick break. Be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, everybody. Hi, back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears. First of all, that was a hell of a first segment. 
I had a lot to say. Surprise, surprise. Least surprising news ever. I talk a lot. What, can, what do you want from me? I love talking. It's what I do. Anyway, let's switch gears. By the way, I didn't even talk about the Brock Bowers injury. Good news is sounds like he'll be out three, four weeks. He'll be back for the home stretch. Hopefully he's back for that Tennessee game. Ole Miss, whatever. Not worried yet about Georgia, but man, they are certainly beat up here as Georgia is in their bye. They play Florida uh, a week from now. With that said, I do want to do what we've kind of done, switch gears and, and, and do what we've done the last couple of weeks. And on the Wednesday show, we start to look ahead to the big games on Saturday. Um, it just felt like if we waited till Friday, it got too late in the week. There was too much other stuff to talk about. And so over the last couple of weeks, we have focused on those two or three marquee games on Wednesday. And then on the Friday show, we preview the rest. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different, though, because while certainly there's a bunch of big games on Saturday, Tennessee at Alabama, you know, USC hosting Utah, trying to bounce back after that loss to Notre Dame. More importantly, there's just one super marquee game that I feel like we should just focus on that one today. We'll get to everything else on Friday. And the game I'm talking about is that top 10 matchup in Columbus, Penn State at Ohio State. Ohio State, a four-point favorite in the, in the DraftKings Sportsbook. The over-under set at 48. And what's interesting about this game, think you can argue, I don't even know that it's a debate. Out of everyone in the top 10, you know, teams that we're talking about as legitimate national championship contenders or playoff contenders, feels like Penn State is the one we know the least about. They haven't had those super, they didn't have a super marquee out of conference game. You know, Ohio State played Notre Dame, LSU played Florida State, whatever. And then on top of that, they haven't really hit the meat of their Big Ten schedule yet. So they're coming in at six and zero. And I would argue, I just don't, I don't think we know a ton about them. Their wins are over West Virginia, Delaware, uh, who else? Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, and UMass. Forgive me, it hasn't been the the, the most gauntlet of a schedule. So you could say like Michigan, we don't know much about, but. Even Michigan, they've got a two-year track record. They've won the Big Ten, so we kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, I just don't think anybody really knows what to make of this Penn State team. Well, what I will tell you, they are, they're certainly in for a huge challenge, but they're also a really, really, really good team. And it's interesting because I remember last week in this spot talking about Oregon being one of the more balanced teams in college football. I think Penn State absolutely has to be in that conversation as well. Because when you look at Penn State, and again, I get that the competition has not been great. There isn't really an obvious weakness to what they do, okay? So first of all, on offense, they have a guy that many believe will be a future first-round quarterback in Drew Aller. He's awesome. 12 touchdowns, no interceptions this year. They lead the Big Ten in rushing. They have the best offensive tackle in college football who's going to be a top-10 pick next year, Olu Fashinu. And so, first of all, first-round quarterback, eventually, he's not eligible for this year. Number one rush attack, uh, two really good backs, offensive tackle who's going in the top ten of the draft, that's pretty good. They take care of the football. They're number two in the country in turnover margin. As I said, Drew Aller has not thrown an interception yet. They're number two in the time of possession, which means they beat the crap out of you at the line of scrimmage. And then, oh, by the way, they're even better on defense. It's kind of wild. First of all, it's wild because the top three scoring defenses in college football are Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. So that's kind of an interesting nugget. But Penn State, really good against the run, really, really good against the pass. Number one pass defense in all of college football, have seven interceptions in six games. They're just really good across the board. So that's what you need to know about Penn State. If you haven't watched Penn State, that's what you need to know. They've been good at everything so far this season. 
Now, admittedly, it's going to be a completely different test against Ohio State. From the Ohio State perspective, you know, considering that really only I would argue that Notre Dame game was a super marquee game, feels like we kind of know who they are, right? But we kind of know that offense isn't quite as good as it's been in years past, but the defense is the best that it's been. And I'll defend Ryan Day, right? I've been a very critical, you know, a vocal critic of Ryan Day. But at the end of the day, when I look at what he said a few weeks ago with Lou Holtz, didn't love him going after Lou Holtz. But I think the narrative that Ohio State's soft, that was maybe true two, three, four years ago. It ain't true this year. They are tough. They are physical. They are really good on defense. Now, the big story for Ohio State coming in, and this is really important. They are really beat up, like abnormally beat up coming into this game. So last week against Purdue, and I get they're playing Purdue. They think, you know, we want to rest guys to get ready for Penn State. But here are among the players who did not play against Purdue. Their best running back, their leading rusher, Travion Henderson, did not play. Their third leading rusher, Mayan Williams, did not play. Their second leading wide receiver, Emeka Abuka, did not play. Oh, by the way, during the game, their second leading rusher, Trip Chip Trainum, Game-winning touchdown against Notre Dame, gets hurt, leaves the game. And their best cornerback, Denzel Burke, gets hurt and leaves the game. And so on Tuesday, Ryan Day did his press conference. He was very noncommittal about who's available and who's not. And I'm sure some of these guys will play. And again, I'm sure some of them were held out for precaution because it was Purdue. But there's at least a possibility that Ohio State is without its top three running backs, its number two wide receiver, and its number one corner. That is insane, and I would add this. I've heard some whispers that Kyle McCord is not even close to 100%. He's got a lower body injury. That's where, um, I don't want to say he struggled because he threw for over 300 yards last week, but where he's missing some throws. And I don't think Marvin Harrison is 100% either. He's he's had a couple things throughout the season. So Ohio State is really banged up coming into this game. The good news is, as I said, that defense is good. And I think ultimately, if Ohio State is to win this game, I think it ultimately comes down to that defense. Now, if you remember last year, Penn State actually had the lead going into the fourth quarter in Happy Valley, and it was the defense that took over. I believe, if my memory is correct, three turnovers forced in the fourth quarter. That was the game that JT Tuimolo, the the defensive lineman, who's himself a top 15, top 20 pick, maybe even higher. Maybe that's insulting. Maybe he's top 10 pick. That was his breakout game. Multiple forced fumbles. Uh, a, a pick six, or he had an interception. I don't remember if it was a pick six. Point, point being, this was a breakout game for Ohio State's defense last year. And bluntly, if Ohio State is going to win this game, that is to me how it's going to have to be done. I don't think you're moving the ball up and down the field on this Penn State defense. But at the same time, this Penn State offense does have some questions, most notably at quarterback. Drew Aller, great recruit, great talent but he certainly hasn't faced the type of talent on defense that he is going to face from Ohio State. And again, ultimately, can you get pressure on him? Can you make him uncomfortable? Can you make him make mistakes? At the end of the day, though, it's time to make a pick, and I'm just going to be blunt. I like Penn State to go into Columbus, and I like Penn State to win this game outright. And let me explain why. It's really a few things. One, I just think Penn State is really good. Now, I remember, by the way, I picked Penn State to make the college football playoff. My college football playoff four before the season um, was Michigan as the Big Ten champion, Alabama as the SEC champ, Florida State as the ACC champ, and then Penn State as an at-large. We'll see if it holds up, but I have liked Penn State. I have believed in Penn State. And an important note in this game, 
I think for the first time, maybe in a decade, you can legitimately argue Penn State has as much talent as Ohio State. Not a knock on Ohio State, not a knock on Ryan Day, not trying to tear down a, a Ryan Day. But at the same time, James Franklin's been very vocal about this. They have built a roster to compete with Ohio State. He saw the speed and the athleticism of this team about three, four, five years ago. And he said, you know, we got to do something comparable to that. By the way, it's why they've struggled with Michigan, because Michigan's just run the ball right at you and beat you up at the line of scrimmage. Neither here nor there will preview Penn State, Michigan when the time comes. But when I look at this game, Penn State, I think they probably have more dudes going into this game. Remember, we talked about this in August. Bruce Feldman's freaks list came out. Boy, by the way, busy day for Bruce Feldman on today's show, right? We just talked about him with the Jimbo Fisher report. But then also on top of that, uh, Bruce Feldman does the freaks list every year, the, the freakiest players in college football. Penn State set a record this year for the number of guys on that list. I think they had five or six. And so they have the talent on defense. Chop Robinson on the edge is a first round talent. Abdul Carter at linebacker is not draft eligible this year, but he will be a first rounder when he is draft eligible. And that secondary is the best secondary that Ohio State has seen all year. Although Notre Dame was good and Notre Dame really limited the passing attack. So you have, I think, comparable talent. You have a rested Penn State team. This is an important part. And we talked about this in in August, and this is part of why I picked Penn State to make the college football playoff. Look at how the schedule broke for Penn State. Two weeks ago, they had a bye. Last week, they had UMass. Love UMass. Love the Minutemen. Shout out John Calipari, that 96 Final Four team. But at the same time, like, like, they've basically had three full weeks to get ready for Ohio State, but more importantly, to get healthy for Ohio State. Meanwhile, Ohio State, they played Notre Dame, physical game, go into their bye. Maryland and Purdue, neither of those teams is a gauntlet by any stretch, but those are back-to-back Big Ten games. Maryland gave them, you know, fits for a half, whatever. And so you look at Ohio State, they're more beat up. Penn State is rested. Penn State, you look at the numbers, and and I had somebody send me something this week. Like, you look at the number of snaps that these guys have played, they just haven't played nearly as much or had to play nearly as much as Ohio State because the competition hasn't been as good. So they're well-rested, two weeks, really three to prepare. And the last thing I'll say, I, I do think, and this is something Ohio State fans are upset about, the big noon kickoff hurts, like it hurts Ohio State. It just does. We can argue, we can debate, we can this, we can that, we can the other thing. But you look at how the schedule breaks and you look at the fact that this is a noon kickoff instead of a 7.30 Eastern time ABC game. I have no skin in the game. I'm excited to have it at noon. But at the same time, that is it's just not going to be the same atmosphere. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Buckeye horseshoe, you know, Buckeye Nation, the horseshoe is going to be popping. But for this game to be a noon kickoff, that is a tough, tough, tough break for Ohio State because they could have used the crowd support in their favor. So in the end, this is the only game I'm picking today. I'll do the rest of my picks on Friday. But give me Penn State in a close, low-scoring 21-17 to game. I like Penn State to go into the horseshoe and get the win outright. Won't be betting the over-under because I think it's low-scoring. But I like Penn State to win this game. All right, so what we're going to do, take a quick break. Come back. When we come back, we'll wrap. The first college hoops AP poll top 25 is out. We'll tell you what I liked, what I don't like, all that good stuff. Quick break. Be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. Fun little Wednesday, Aaron Torres pod. We've covered a lot of ground. And I actually do want to wrap with a little bit of college hoops because we are ultimately about three weeks away now from the start of college basketball season. That sounds crazy. And on Monday, we got our first AP poll. Before I get into the AP poll reaction, a couple things. One, uh, I've mentioned this before, but we do as part of Aaron Torres Media. There is a separate college hoops podcast feed called the College Hoops Daily hosted by one of my writers, good friend of mine, Zach Kroll. Zach lives in New York, covers the Big East, goes to a lot of games, and I have started to join him on that feed um, to preview some of the conferences and the stuff ahead this season. On Monday, we dropped our Big East preview, talking to UConn, St. John's, etc. On Wednesday, uh, on Thursday, excuse me, we're going to drop the SEC preview. So if you're not subscribed, the College Hoops Daily with Zach Kroll. Also, we're posting those videos on the Aaron Torres Pod YouTube, so make sure to subscribe there as well. Big East is up uh, SEC on Thursday. With that said, I do want to talk college hoops, and I do want to get into the news of the week, and that is that on Monday, we got our first AP poll of the 2023-2024 college hoops season. Want to go through, want to react, want to share some thoughts, but a couple things. One, this year I'll say I don't think there's like anything super egregious that pollsters got wrong last year. And I said it on this show. There were a couple big misses. UConn, believe it or not, was not ranked. Now, I didn't think they should, they were going to go on to win a national championship, but I thought they were somewhere in like the 12 to 15 to 20 range, completely unranked. I ended up being right about that. I also said when the first poll came out, Texas A&M should be in there. By the way, that tweet is available. I'm not making it up. Um, but I said, Texas A&M should be ranked. They end up finished se- second in the sec. So I don't know that there's anything super egregious, but let's get into it and let's just kind of rip through some thoughts. And then I actually want to share some of your thoughts because we got a lot of tweets on this as well. Here's the first AP top 25. Kansas at number one, Duke at number two, Purdue at number three, Michigan State number four, Marquette five, UConn six, Houston seven, Creighton eight, Tennessee nine, Florida Atlantic 10. We'll give you some other notables from throughout the top 25. I'm not going to go through everybody. But Florida Atlantic is 10, as I said. Gonzaga all the way down at number 11. I think they were preseason number two a year ago. Arizona at number 12. They're the highest ranked Pac-12 team. Arkansas at 14. Kentucky at 16. This one's interesting. This is the lowest that Kentucky has been in a preseason poll since John Calipari took over. North Carolina 19. 
Uh, USC, no Bronny James as of right now at 21. Villanova at 22. Alabama, the reigning SEC champs at 24. Illinois rounding out the top 25. Some notables that missed the cut. St. John's, my boy Big Rick Energy, Rick Pitino. UCLA with a bunch of interesting international players. Memphis, Kansas State, who of course is coming off an Elite Eight appearance. And my boy Mike Effin Woodson, Indiana getting just three votes in total. So first off, like I said, I don't think there's anything super egregiously wrong with this poll. Top five was actually essentially what I had coming out of the summer. I would have Duke at number one if I had a vote. Listen, I think they're just as talented at Kansas with much more returning talent. Remember Kyle Filipowski, uh, Tyrese Proctor, Jeremy Roach, Mark Mitchell, all back from last season. Proctor, Mitchell, and Filipowski all could have been potentially first-round picks. End of the first round, early second round, they decided to come back. So I would have had Duke number one. Um, Purdue at number three, you know, listen, I, I still think Purdue is limited. I don't think you can win a national championship with those guards, but they're going to win a ton of games. Zach, he's the reigning national player of the year. I think they're justified at three. Um, Tennessee at number nine, I like. UConn at number six, I think is fair. And so again, bluntly, there's not a lot that I really have a gripe with. Why I bring it up is this, is what I, is this. What I decided to do was rather than get on here and yell and scream and rant and rave, I, w- I, I went ahead and put out the poll. And I asked you guys and girls on Twitter, I said, what are your big gripes? What are your big reactions to the poll? And so I want to read some of them because I think they're very interesting. And I want to react and kind of share some thoughts based on what you guys are fired up about. So first off, a lot of reaction to Kentucky being at number 16, okay? Maxwell Forrest tweets in, there aren't 15 more talented teams than Kentucky. Length, athleticism, shooting, and something they lacked in the last several years, rim protection. They have a higher ceiling floor than probably 10 teams ranked higher. Also, always on the mind, said Kentucky being ranked, assuming it's the same roster as Global Jam. That was the event they played in Toronto. Uh, They've added three seven-footers to the party. So let's start with Kentucky. Let me start by saying this. I actually agree with you guys and girls. I think Kentucky is probably a little bit better than the rankings. Now, listen. I understand where the pollsters are coming from. I think in my final poll, I had them about 12, 13, somewhere in that range. But what I will say is I actually like this Kentucky group a lot. And a couple of things stand out. One, I know what everyone will say. Kentucky's all freshmen. You can't win with freshmen in college basketball in 2023, 2024. Well, that's just not true. Do you remember who spent most of the year at number one last year? It was Alabama. You realize that Alabama, three of their top six scorers were freshmen. Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney, and Jaden Bradley. You can argue it. You can debate it. If your freshmen are good enough, you can win in college basketball. Two, and it's interesting because Zach and I already uh, uh, did the SEC preview for later in the week, but I think the other thing that stands out to me about Kentucky is I do think something like struck me watching them play in Toronto, okay? I love Oscar Sheboy. He was great for college basketball, national player of the year two years ago, all SEC last year. But watching Kentucky play their summer trip to Toronto, that was the global jam that one of the listeners just referenced, um, something stood out. As great as Oscar Shibway was, you were kind of pretty limited as to what you could potentially do with him in the lineup. When Oscar was in the lineup, all the offense has to run through him. You're limited on defense. 
We saw teams like Alabama put him in pick and rolls, and he's limited defensively. And so to watch Kentucky in their their trip to Toronto, you could see that bluntly, it was just a completely different team that was going to play a completely different style and a much more modern style with this group of guys. Loved what I saw. I know people will say the competition isn't great, but DJ Wagner, their starting point guard, is a future lottery pick. Rob Dillingham is probably a first-round pick, another freshman. Justin Edwards is another lottery pick on the wing. They have guard play. They have spacing. They have three-point shooting. And then to the point that the listener made, they have three seven-footers that all essentially play the style of play that Kentucky wants to play going forward. And so only one of them is healthy right now. Aaron Bradshaw, Nagana, and Yenso are coming back from injury. But I just bring it up to say I like this team and I like how it's constructed. As I said, I don't think I realized how limited Kentucky was with Oscar Shibway. As great as he was, he had a lot of positives. But I do think that there were some negatives that with him that limited that team. I think this team's going to surprise some people. Good news is the schedule is not easy, but it's manageable early. They play Kansas in the Champions Classic, North Carolina later in the season, um, and then Gonzaga and out of conference play much, much, much later. But I bring it up because I think there's chances to pick up wins. Should mention they also play Miami at Rupp Arena as part of the ACC SEC Challenge. But I like this team. I think the schedule breaks nicely for them to get off to a hot start. And I think they're going to be better than they've been in recent years. Let's keep it going with some of your other tweets. Uh, this one I like to Razor Smacks, who's obviously an Arkansas fan. He tweeted one word, disrespectful. Disrespectful to the Arkansas Razorbacks who are ranked in this first AP top 25 at number 14 overall. Let me say this. Much like Kentucky, this feels, it feels a little low. I think I had Arkansas at about number 10, number 11 in my final preseason poll. Um, but there's some things to work through, right? One, Trevin Brazil, probably their best player, is coming back from major injury. And two, you're dealing with all sorts of transfers, whether it's L. Ellis from Louisville, whether it's Khalif Battle from Te- uh, uh, Temple, excuse me, Tremont Mark from Houston, et cetera. At the same time, there is no one that I trust inherently to get this team in position to have success throughout the season more than Eric Musselman. Listen, he has that John Calipari mold to him of he is a guy that give him any group of guys. He is going to figure out how to make it work over the course of the season. I go back to two years ago when they made the Elite Eight. They ended up losing to Duke. But there was a kid named Trey Wade on that roster that was barely playing early, middle of the season. Coach Musk puts him in the starting lineup. All of a sudden, team takes off like gasoline, and they're basically unbeatable the second half of the year. And so I don't know exactly how it's going to work. But I think you look at the depth, the athleticism. There's improved three-point shooting with Jeremiah Davenport, a transfer from Cincinnati who I didn't even mention. Tremont Mark, I believe, is one of the best defensive wings in all of college basketball. I like this team, and I like how the pieces fit. Devo Davis is going to be your point guard. L. Ellis is going to be your scorer on the wing. Tremont Mark's going to be your wing defender. Um, you have size with Jalen Graham, size with uh, uh, Bay Fall, a true freshman. Trevin Brazil, the seven-footer who jumps like he's six-foot-three, like 40-inch vert. So I'm excited about this team. I think as you as you um, you know get Trevin Brazil back in that lineup, it's going to take a little bit of time. But I'm with you. I think Arkansas has the ceiling of a top top five team. Like they're good enough to make a Final Four. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Good enough to make a Final Four, like Arkansas, like what they're about. Let's keep it going with some of your other comments. 
Uh, this tweet came in from Pinto Beaner. He says, USC is better than number 21 and Colorado should be in the top 25. Arizona will be in the top five after the first couple of weeks, perhaps after defeating Duke. So for people who don't know, first major game of the college hoop season, Arizona at Duke, the first Friday night of the year. So I think it's three Fridays from now. Clear your schedule. Tell your wife. Tell the kids. Hey, we're watching a little Zona Duke at Cameron Indoor, baby. Uh, first of all, I love Arizona. Love Arizona. My only concern with Arizona, not a ton of three-point shooting, but they are much more athletic. Keisha Johnson, the transfer from uh, San Diego State, tripped my mind there for a sec. I think he's one of the most underrated players in college basketball going into this year. Really, really, really athletic kid. Uh, not a great three-point shooter, but he can defend. He can rebound. He can switch. He can cause all sorts of chaos down low. Umar Balo, big physical down low. And then the guards can all get to the rim. Caleb Love, remember, he is at Arizona. Uh, Jaden Bradley transferred from Alabama. This Arizona team, I think, is fun, fast, athletic. Kylan Boswell is back for another year. They are rightly a top 15 team. Are they going to win at Duke? I don't know that I'm ready to predict that, but I don't think it's out of the question. Um, but they're going to give Duke fits, I can tell you that much, and they should be the favorites in the Pac-12. Uh, Pinto Beaner also says USC at 21 is too low. You know, I don't know if I agree with that. Now, their backcourt is incredible. Boogie Ellis is a fifth-year guy, started at Memphis, transferred to USC. Um, and then Isaiah Collier, an All-American freshman, is in for the Trojans at point guard. The concerns are depth, right? Um, you lose a couple key players from last year. Trey White transferred to Louisville. Um, Reese Dixon Waters transferred to San Diego State. And obviously the health of, Le of Bronny James. You hope he's okay. We know we know he's okay. But is it realistic to expect him to play this year? I don't know. I think 21 feels about right for USC. And I'll be honest, the, the last one he mentioned, um, you know, he mentioned uh, Colorado being ranked. I guess I don't really see it. And maybe this is one I'm just wrong on. But like when has Colorado been not ranked and it was an egregious misstep? Like I, it, it's something that has never happened in my life covering college basketball. I think they're a good program, a lot of experience coming back, but I think they're a clear number four in the Pac-12 behind Arizona, USC, and UCLA. Um, in terms of teams that I think should have been ranked that weren't, St. John's is one. St. John's, in my opinion, is a top 25 team. Jordan Dingle, the point guard, uh, transfer from Penn, is phenomenal, was the second leading scorer in college basketball last year. Joel Soriano, the center, is a stud. He just didn't get enough credit because he played for St. John's and nobody watched St. John's before they had Rick Pitino as the head coach. So you have those two guys. I like the pieces around them. A couple guys came with Patino from Iona. That's a top 25 in my opinion, top 25 team, in my opinion, third, fourth in the Big East, or yeah, probably fourth. Those three teams in the Big East in the top 10, UConn, Creighton, and Marquette, I believe are accurate. Uh, I think you can pick them in any order. All three are really good. Uh, also in the top 25, I would have Memphis. Uh, Memphis added a bunch of old, old, old guys in the portal this offseason. Javon Quinterly, sixth-year player, started his career at Villanova, then at Alabama. How about the name Jordan Brown? Started playing for Eric Musselman at Nevada, then transferred to Arizona, then transferred to Louisiana Lafayette. Now he's back at Memphis. Um, they have some other good pieces around them. Memphis is a top 25 team, in my opinion. Last team I want to talk about, too, very briefly. I actually like North Carolina. 
And we've talked about this a lot in the offseason. But North Carolina is ranked at number 19. They are the third ACC team behind only Duke and Miami. I think they're I think they're going to be good. And what I would say is, and listen, I get it. Um, you know, first of all, Hubert Davis, you really kind of go through his track record at North Carolina. He basically has had two good months in two plus years as the head coach. Uh, first year they struggled out of the gate. They get hot, make the final four play for a national championship. Last year they struggled, but they have a lot of guys back. Armando Baycott, RJ Davis added some nice pieces in the portal. Harrison Ingram, Paxson Wojcik, uh, Cormac Ryan, three point shooter. And then the, the freshman Elliot Cadeau people are raving about. But I think more importantly, and I've talked about this a lot over the summer, it feels as though every, the, 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 the messaging out of North Carolina has been blame Caleb Love. Essentially, this was all Caleb Love's fault. The reason we stunk last year was Caleb Love. I don't know if it's fair. I don't know if it's unfair. I think maybe it was just best for both parties to go their own way, right? I think Caleb Love is going to be good at Arizona because I know he he because I believe he knows that he's kind of out of options. But at the same time, I think it'll be good for him and I think it'll be good for North Carolina. I think North Carolina's I think they're a top 15 team by the end of the year. I think I had them, you know, a little under 19. I think I had them 16, 17, but I think they're a very good team by the end of the year. If you have any other questions or comments on the poll, feel free to uh DM me on Aaron uh Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, Aaron Torres Pod. But I'll tell you what, I think it is time for us to get out of here. We, I'll say, I'll say this, guys, for a Wednesday show. Holy crap! Did we cover a lot of ground? Did we cover a lot of ground on today's show? Shout out to us. We went from Jimbo to Urban to Penn State, Ohio State to the AP poll and college hoops. Listen, hate to brag, there is no one in the media that could give you the hour of content here on a Wednesday morning that I just did. So before we give our end of show shout out, shout out to me. Because that was a heck of a show. All right, let's get out of here. If you're not subscribed to the Air Tour Sports Podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, we just crossed 27,000 subscribers. Cannot thank you all enough for your support. So appreciative of what you do for me there. Um, if you're not following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Pod on TikTok. Go ahead and give us a quick follow there. We're new on TikTok, but we're trying, we're growing, we're developing, we're evolving. Get on TikTok. Do yourself a favor. Do your boy a favor and get on over there. If you're not subscribed, make sure to do that. I think I said that. I think other than that, it's time to get out of here. It's all for today's show. By the way, again, the College Hoops Daily Podcast. If you want more College Hoops coverage, Big East Preview yesterday. Also, an SEC preview coming later this week. That's all for today's show, though. It is time for me to get out of here. Thank you guys and girls again for your support. At this point, I'm just rambling, so it's time for me to go. Shout out to Torncry. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you FN. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Friday. New episode, Aaron Torres Pod. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.